Welcome back to the Ministry Without Hating It podcast, a ministry of Odyssey Haven coaching and counseling dedicated to the pursuit of answering the question, Brenton, is it possible to do ministry without hating it? Uh, We have a theory that just might be, hey, summer is officially over, buddy. How are you doing? Boop, boop. I'm here. I know your kids have been uh, out of, well, they've been back in school for a couple weeks yeah. now, right? Yeah, for sure. Mine just went back today. And it was a bit of a, this is glorious. And I can get back to kind of a, a rhythm. Um, and then it's also like, oh, this is a little sad because summer is done, right? Yeah. It's- I thrive in the structure. So I am so excited that they are back because I have a normal wake up time. Yes. I have a normal bedtime. And I have like work hours again. I'm not like being pulled away all the time. So no, I, I love it. I love my family and I love to be with them, but they have a, a space in the evenings now that we hang out together. Yeah, no, that's, it's good. I I, I, I may buck against that a little bit too sometimes, but I, I do actually thrive in it as well. Um, and so um, great summer. I know you got to travel. We both did. I had a little bit of a sabbatical, which was awesome. And we can talk at a future time, but uh, excited for fall and what's coming ahead. And mm-hmm. also excited about this interview that people mm-hmm. get to hear. We just had yeah. a great conversation with our mutual friend and someone who we serve with uh, mm-hmm. at a denominational level when it comes to next gen ministries. And we'll talk a little bit about what that is, but that is with Tammy Jones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was good stuff, and um, she not only speaks to next-gen ministers, but those who serve with next-gen ministers um, mm-hmm. or just ministry leaders, period, uh, about some some great stuff and some trends that she's seeing. And so we're really excited to share this one with you as we continue on into season two of this podcast, just rolling along, growing, and then just, uh, just totally enjoying it. So, hey, you got anything else to add, buddy? Uh, I would say that Tammy is a friend, a coach, a mentor, yeah. uh, and an overall just great person to know. And uh, I'm thankful for her insights. And so uh, this was a really fun interview for me. I feel like I didn't say a lot during it, but uh, I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, I think you, people will hear pretty quickly her passion for next gen ministry specifically and where that's even started with her. Um, and how that really is such an important part of what we do um, in any type of ministry that really can't be overlooked. And so, um, hey, well, listen, without any more riffing and raffing, let's go ahead and get to our conversation with Tammy Jones. Well, it is our pleasure, and we really should have hit record a lot sooner, Brenton, but to welcome Tammy Jones to the Ministry Without Hating It podcast. Tammy, thank you for being here with us. Yes, it's a blessing. I'm excited to be on today with you guys. We are too. We are too. And we're going to ask you some questions that have nothing to do with ministry, but need to be asked anyway, even though we were already talking about some questions that weren't even on my list that I might just pull in. But the first one we have for you today is the zombie apocalypse is coming. So who are the three people that you want on your team? You know, I am a researcher, and I think I told you, Chad, that I am a researcher. So when you gave me this question, I was very serious about this. I looked it up, and I started to think about it. So oh. there was like on <laughs> okay. Reddit, good. on Reddit, there's a whole platform oh, Reddit. of what you would yeah. do on the zombie apocalypse. So like the suggestions uh-huh. where you would need a medic. Um, 
So I would probably want Dr. House from the TV show um, oh, on my okay. my team, right. okay? Because he can like think strategically. In. I am. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. you need somebody that knows how to do the dirty jobs. So I started to think of the TV show Dirty Jobs, and it was Mike Rowe. So I would want Mike oh, wow. Rowe on my team, right? Right? Yeah. Because wow. he would know wow. where all those people are in the pocket in the United States and around the world. And then the last one is somebody that is like highly administrative and would be able to uh, like get everybody their ducks in a row to make this happen so nobody dies. Oh, man, that's a tough one. So I just say admin and then I'm going to start like interviewing now to be prepared. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. But there was a guy... There was a Can guy. I just uh, submit my wife. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I, I would love that. I, Nicole I want, and I would I live just, forever. That's probably true. I also would like to point out she didn't name any family members, though. Just, I just want to throw that out there. So oh my gosh. But you guys got to fend for yourselves. Sorry. I got my team. You would- you would totally, if you talked to my husband, he was like, I would be dead in like 10 seconds. So that he would just be like, I'm done. <laughs> just That's why House is part of her team. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Dr. House is going to keep everybody else alive. We just got to get That's the funny. right uh-huh. team yeah, uh-huh. to, to bring you into the future. All right. So, Tammy, you, you said as we were starting, and I'm just going to throw this in there, that you used to interview young adults and start off with this crazy question. I thought that's too good to not have on air and record. So if you were a number two pencil, I believe <laughs> what you said, and like a full on number two pencil, you had the eraser and everything, but you were dropped into a blender. How do you escape? Go. Okay. So here's the deal. My buddies, okay. Washable markers would be outside of that blender and I would ask Uh them. Okay. I would ask them to drop in some Play-Doh to protect the blades. All right. (laughs) Then I would have somebody turn on the blender and I could get out. Like I would just hit the walls and boom, I'd get out. See, that's how you answer that question. Wow. Wow. We're better together. Can I just say once a... She's she's already got the team on every aspect, but once a next gen pastor, always, always a next gen <laughs> yeah. pastor in heart and what you answer. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. All right. So have you ever completed anything on your bucket list? Heck yeah. Okay. So two things I've actually completed. Number one, I had a goal of going zip lining, but I didn't want like one of those little rinky dink ones that is like only like 10 feet or 20 feet. Sure. I wanted like, like zip lining. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so both of my bucket list items were surprises. So I went on a mission trip to Esteli, Nicaragua, and okay. the guy that was leading us on our fun day before we headed back to America, we went zip lining and it was a six. Uh, it was a six course like zip line over these fields and houses and cows and y'all wow. let me tell you I am not ashamed to say this I am not a skinny mini like the Lord bless me that's all I'll say and when I was going over some of those fields on those lines I'm thinking these have not been inspected I hope to Lord that I don't land on that cow or on top of somebody's horse shack <laughs> So, and the second so, one. So, was bucket list and potential kick the bucket in the same thing. Yes, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs>
I remember doing the zip lining in Mexico over like these huge canyons and thinking the exact same thing. Like, it's just, if this breaks, I'm going for a, uh, I'm falling. It's it. Yeah. We're all going. And they would put like one going and then somebody off right behind you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah. crazy. It was nuts. And the other one was almost a kick the bucket mm. too. So a funny story. Oh. Um, our next gen team, we got a surprise. It was kind of, uh, we have this culture of we pray, we plan, and we play. And so uh, we went to whitewater rafting in the training center that's in North Carolina. I didn't know about it. And I called my husband and I'm like, I'm going whitewater rafting. I had never gone and that was one of my bucket items. So anyway, you go through this course and they teach you everything like jam pack in like less than eight minutes. And then you put you into this raft. But one of the lines that they say in the video is they're like, this is not an amusement park ride. It is real and could be potentially dangerous. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so going to back out. So we get into the raft and we're going along. And I'm not kidding you. It was like the second time we went over a rough rapid I fell overboard backwards and I had knocked another gal out of the raft. And I remember coming up out of the raft and like out of the water and looking up into the raft <laughs> and the next gen coordinator for our, you know, denomination, his eyes were as big as saucers and he's looking down at me. And later on he was like, I thought I killed you. But literally oh everything they said in the video I had to do. I got stuck under the raft. I had yeah. to like swim backwards. I had to find Eddie. Crazy, but fun. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Listen, they're not called bucket list items for a reason. So right. you, know, you, yeah. Gotta, yeah. you just yeah. you got to go big or go home. Okay. Um, what if you could become an expert in something instantly? What would that be? playing the guitar. I've always wanted to play the guitar and I just have never taken the time. I just think it's, I, I feel like it would be a way to just release that creative outlet. Um, so hmm. yeah, that's what I would want to do for sure. What's the first song that, what's the first song that you, uh, learn on the guitar? The first song I learned from Santana. Yeah, Probably. what's the first one that you you pull out? Like you're like, oh man, this is this is why I did it. Right okay, y'all, it takes me a while to learn things, so I'd probably say Mary has a little lamb, something like simple. But then I would probably, I'd probably say, okay, teach me a simple song like Mary has a little lamb, and they would be like, yo, that is not simple on the guitar. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's funny. That's actually the song I was thinking before mm -hmm. you even said that, because that's oh, probably gosh. what I would have to learn how to play too. So, yeah. All right. What do you? Let's. We'll, we'll we'll segue from here. What do you find exciting in life right now, or what's what do you what are you just really into and just really excited, looking forward to? Well, right now life is pretty exciting. Um, I'm in grad school, so and like I said, I'm a researcher, so I love to research. I love to study and find out new things. So that's really fun. Um, I think also the other really exciting thing is that my husband and I are going to be celebrating our 30, 30th wedding anniversary on September the 11th. Oh, nice. So that is huge. Oh, 30 wow. years. I'm like in a blink of an eye. <laughs> so yep. those are really Congratulations. fun. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Incredible. 
Well, good job answering the questions that have nothing to do with ministry, and yet we still managed to find a way to tie that in, and I, I just I just so appreciate that. So tell us then, as we start off, we like to ask this question as we really set the baseline for more we move forward, but what does the word ministry mean to you? Saying yes to Jesus every day. Ministry, I think... For me personally, in my opinion, I think we've like contextualized it to inside the church building. It's something somebody mm -hmm. in a church building does. But if we look at it, it's really saying yes to Jesus and following him daily. And if we're in his word, it's serving people around us. I mean, one of the last, you know, things that he says is that we're to love one another. And so... Um, it's really just saying yes to Jesus. And every day we have a choice. Like, seriously, if you ever think about that and contemplate that, it's like you said yes to him being your savior. But ministry is us saying yes to walking and following Jesus every day, putting on his yoke every day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then how has your own journey or maybe even your own ministry journey shaped that definition that you've just unpacked for us so well? Well, I think for me, when I was younger, I had a lot of people serve and say yes to Jesus every day. Um, so when I, my grandmother would take me to church and she would teach me about Jesus. And then I've had other people like pour and invest and move me into understanding who Jesus is and discipling me. And so um, I think just throughout life, I've just seen how God has woven in discipling and intentionality into my life. And so now it's like, okay, I said yes to Z Jesus. I'm a disciple. So now I need to love others and disciple others. I don't know if that's answering what you mm -hmm. want to know, but I feel like it's kind of organic. It's not a cookie cutter kind of thing that we can just say, this is the program. These are the steps. This is how you do it. Every day unfolds so uniquely. It's just saying yes every day. Yeah, no, I think that answers it uh, quite well, um, especially when, so when we're, and this is something that's actually become more of a, an interesting question for me to ask, especially as we talk to more and more leaders and we get their definition of ministry. And as you're saying, it's saying yes. So then I'm curious then how you define, because it can be different in every setting, like you're saying, in every situation, maybe tell us how you would define what success within ministry looks like within that same, because you can say yes, but what does that mean? Yeah. Well, and I think it's one of those things that I've learned throughout the years that in my yes, I love on others, I serve others. And I have that supernatural gift and ability to pour out into others. And then also just praying. And it's relationship, building relationship with someone to kind of help guide them in their walk with Jesus. So success for me is when I start to see Jesus transforming their life. It has nothing to do with me, more so it is that transformational ministry that is taking place because of Holy Spirit and them saying to yes to Jesus every day as well. Um, so I have to make sure I keep my heart pure. I have to make sure that I'm staying healthy mentally, uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And, um, and so I can pour out my yes every day. 
So I just look at like uh, in the book of Philemon, he was a slave. Okay. And in Greek, that word, his name actually means useful. All right. But yet he had stolen from his master, but yet he goes and he seeks Okay, someone, he was saying yes, in a really weird way. He like ran away. He got discipled. And then he's getting sent back. He used to be useless. Now he's useful to you. And so I Hmm. think um, in ministry, and us saying our yes, there's a lot of people out there like that, that I mean, let's be real. I was quote unquote, useful in God's eyes. But there was a season of my life that I wasn't useful. But because of the people that were spending time discipling me and ministering to me and pushing me towards my relationship with Jesus and just those accountability and those healthy margins that they were teaching me that God has in our lives, I'm sent back now to do the kingdom work and I'm useful. And so I think those are the it's like a shift in our mindset. It's a kingdom mindset that we have to shift and, and see that there's so many people that were created for God's kingdom work and they are useful, yeah. but right now they might be absolutely useless because of their sin and, and because of their lack of development and disciple that discipleship. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tammy, d- talk to us a little bit because um, I know you are passionate just in getting to know you in this very short time that I have, um, that next-gen ministry, and maybe we can even define what next-gen ministry means because I know that can be many different definitions as well. Yeah. Um, it is Your passion for that, though, is is really immense, and in a lot of ways it's inspiring, especially in when you talk about um, you know, saying yes to Jesus, but then also that what that means is seeing that transformation within those that you're serving, particularly even next gen um, aged, you know, ministry uh, and even ministry leaders. Where does that come from for you? What is there? Is there a part of your story? Is that just something that God has placed yeah. inside of you? It's it's part of my story. So um, back uh, when I was about twelve years old, um, my family. Okay, so I grew up in a very uh, like rough background. Okay, so we had some different forms of abuse and stuff going on in the home, but there was always kind of like this temperature. My mom, and I think it was because her mother is a believer, she was always like pursuing something church-like. So I remember us kind of hopping from church to church to church. But when I was 12, we actually, so I told you like how my grandma would take me to church when I was younger and everything. And this is like toddler years because we were still living um, in Texas near her. But this one summer, we got sponsored, my sister and I, to go to a camp. And um, I remember seeing this guy on the stage and he was talking about a heavenly father, one that would never leave or forsake you and how you could come into relationship with him, how he could be your heavenly father. Like that word father, like was ringing in my ears because my biological dad had given up parental rights and I didn't know who he was. So I always had that yearning. My adopted dad, that was a very rough situation. So then I'm hearing about this heavenly father. So I remember sitting on the bottom of the bunk and my cabin leader came in And I said, 
talk to me. Can you, in a 12 year old's language, of course, not how I'm talking, but basically I just said, what is, uh, never leave or forsake you? What does that mean? And she's like, oh, well, we'll never leave you. We'll never abandon you. He'll always be with you every day, every night. And um, forsake is he'll never do anything to harm you, like turn his back on you, harm you, do anything that would cause you any pain. And of course, a young girl that has gone through what she's already gone through, I was like, I want that. And so I accepted Jesus as my savior at 12. And I went back home to that rough situation, but I found a Bible and I started to read it. And I remember getting baptized in a horse trough, but to kind of like fast forward, (laughs) I know it was a metal horse trough. I'll never forget it. Pastor Jack Kincaid. And he had like all this like white goo on his nose because he didn't want to get sunburned because he had gotten sun cancer on his nose. It was so endearing like it's so it's so stuck in my head and we had to memorize john three sixteen before he would dunk us um so it was huh, beautiful yeah. but yeah it was in a horse nice. truck because the baptistry was broke and it was outside and it was awesome memory um but zoom forward about two years ago now you got to remember this is nebraska women are not pastors here like culturally it's really hard here uh, a lot of men don't respect women as mm. uh, as pastors, senior leadership and stuff. But I specifically heard a word saying, you will be a leader. You will lead my princes and my princesses, my kings and my queens. And I was just like, wow, what does that mean? And like, I remember just thinking, I'm going to be in ministry. And I joked with a friend of mine, Natalie, and I told her, uh, I honestly thought I was going to grow up to be a nun. I thought I was going to grow up to be a a nun. Nice. But anyway, and again, this is a very long, drawn out story, but this is my story and this is why I have passion. Oh, it's okay. Um, Yeah. But I always yearned to learn more about Jesus. And so there was people that would come and pick up my sister and I and take us to church. There was times that I would walk to go to church. Uh, Like I was constantly in my Bible. There was just this hunger after I accepted Jesus. And I heard that word. There was just always this hunger. And so um, things didn't get better. They got worse. I actually lived in group homes. I remember getting made fun of the the kids there because I was reading my Bible Um, I actually just got documents from the state of Nebraska and they had a sign out sheet and the person that signed me out all the time was my pastor that would pick me up 30 miles away because I was living in the group home and would take me to church. And I was like, wow, I reached out to him and I said, because of you, this is what I'm doing today. But I ended up in group homes. I ended up in group homes and everything. And then eventually I ended up being legally emancipated. Still blows my mind how the state of Nebraska legally emancipated me at the age of 16. And I continued to go oh, to wow. school. I worked a full-time job at a nursing home at night. And on Sunday mornings, I was serving. They put me in charge of the toddler classroom. And from that point on, I've been serving in next-gen ministries. The reason I have such a passion for next-gen ministries is because I know 
from personal experience and just Holy Spirit insight that if you can reach a child, you can reach a home that will reach future generations, but also ripple into communities and globally. I mean, if you impact the next generation, it, it can just cause this huge ripple effect. And um, so, yeah, it's a huge passion of mine because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for those people that said yes to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have a passion and now you're leading those princes and the princesses and the queens and the kings. I know. And to be in Foursquare, you know, I was adopted by, you know, my, well, I was adopted by a man and then Mm -hmm. I was emancipated. But then I think I was adopted into the kingdom of Christ, you know, when I said yes. And then, you know, I wasn't even a part of Foursquare. And then when I became a part of Foursquare and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, just knowing that I was adopted into this, you know, denominational family as well is huge. So I just see like how it's just all these little interwoven pieces into my life that has led me to where I am today. Yeah. When you talk about next gen ministry, what, what does that encompass? Next Gen Ministries is actually uh, ages uh, zero from birth, and Foursquare's definition is up to age 30. So um, ages, yeah, birth to 30. But in my role, it's also Next Gen Ministries are the leaders that are reaching the next generation. Uh, So from children, youth, and young adults, there's a lot of senior pastors that are leading next-gen ministries. There's kind of a Mm -hmm. trend right now where I'm seeing a lot of senior pastors leading uh, their junior high and senior high or even their young adult ministries. So it's huge. (laughs) It's huge. Ministry to the next-gen, when you overlook that, I I do believe you overlook not just the future of your church, but your church currently where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that yep. that uh, if the focus is more on the adults, um, that's great, and that is a part of it, but it's also missing a key component, um, like you said, because that is what will tra- transform, you know, church, community, families, you know what I mean? Um, it, it just, the list goes on and on. Oh my gosh, you know, you think about, politics i mean our schools our leadership i mean if you reach the next generation and disciple them to make disciples i mean that's the church right and that's that's our goal and that's our aim yep well tammy inside of uh your position uh you oversee uh a a few states right just how many is it now that you're overseeing next gen ministry for Geographically, it feels like half of the United States, but it's 17 states. Preach. Yes, in the middle 17. of the United States. So 17, yep. The, the best part, the best part, the center. It is. It's the best part. It's like an Oreo cookie, the double stuffing. Oh, we're like yeah. that yummy double Boom. stuffing. Take that. Th- take that, coasters. And we're thankful for that. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> so, oh, go, go ahead, Brenton, get it out. Go for it. Go. <laughs> we'll, we'll get here. <laughs> I just keep stumbling over this. Oh, this is good. This is good. <laughs> what are the, some of the current trends? What are some of the current trends that you're seeing in, in specifically next gen ministry across the country? Because you're you're over a lot of it. You see a lot of different things. Uh, so statistically, there's a trend where a lot of uh, the next gen that are ages 18 to 30 are uh, classifying themselves as unaffiliated um, uh, to any denomination at all. And so they call them the generation of nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And so we're seeing that trend. And actually, uh, statisticians are saying that by the year of 2020, 45, that Christians will no longer be the majority. Isn't that crazy? So Barna actually has a report, and I can share that as a resource um, for leaders. But there's also another uh, trend that we're seeing is that this generation is actually hyper-spiritual. So they are seeking something that is spiritual in nature, but because of I always call it the TikTok prophets and the Google gods and because of the YouTube gurus, you know, that a lot of them are getting like this mod podge of spirituality, but it's not true Jesus. Um, So they are seeking. And so, oh, there's these trends of rocks and crystals and, you know, smudging and all of that stuff. But also what's really cool is that they are desiring to know something about the spiritual world. Uh, Barna just did a research saying that uh, this generation really wants to know Jesus. So that is like a really cool trend. And we, I don't know if you guys have seen it in your local churches or not, but I've seen it. There's a lot of families that come that are now are millennial parents. And remember, probably five, seven, 10 years ago, everybody was worried about the millennials and saying they're all leaving the church. They're not coming back. Well, guess what? They're all having kids and they're all coming back to church, but a lot of them Mm. are under discipled. So now you have families that are not discipled. And so they bring Mm. these kids and a lot of them don't even know just the basic Bible stories. We gotta be careful as pastors and even as next gen leaders to explain the old Bible stories again. They don't know who Jonah and the whale is. They don't know about David and Goliath. They don't know. And um, I think a lot of us are kind of still leaning into assumptions that people know, but but they don't. So that's exciting. We get to go back to the grassroots of really pulling out these fun, exciting stories of how God was always faithful. And um, we get to also join in family ministry. I mean, I think that's a huge trend right now is family ministry because they've identified there's a lot of these parents that don't know how to lead their families to Jesus, but they're wanting to. That's why they're sending them to either youth group or coming to church and children's ministry. So, um, really cool creativity too. Um, I'm seeing a heightened, um, creativity in this alpha and Gen Z as well. I told my friend the other day when I was at church, I was just kind of looking around at the teens and there was one that was crocheting as she was listening to the pastor. 
the other had like a graphic pad that she was actually drawing pictures. But then I saw over on the side, she was writing certain points that the pastor was saying. And um, so I'm starting to see like this creative bent in this younger generation because they are digital natives, right? But they're creative. You see the TikTok, you see the graphic design, you see a lot of them are going back to, I've seen some of them where they're buying these old Afghans from Goodwill and then they're like Mm -hmm. making them into these really cool suits. Or there's like this whole trend right now where you get these old, old pictures from Goodwill and they redo the pictures and then they're posting how they painted and did. So there's an increase in creativity as well. I think Brenton, you can speak to this too as well because we both have... We have similar aged kids and they fit squarely within what you're talking about. Um, And what Mm -hmm. I have been really interested to see, especially with my oldest, is um, she will listen to the messages like she's in service with us, but she's also drawing at the same time or it's almost like her, her note taking. She'll do that as well. But then she's she's retaining it, which is, which is really, really interesting to me. Cause I, I think, okay, I, I personally have a generation where we can't multitask as well, right. At least when it comes to listening, I mean, there's some things I can do, you know, if I'm playing a video game or something like that, but um, that that's a whole different thing. It's almost like the number of screens. And it's, so it's funny. My first thought when you, you said that, you know, they were listening to somebody speak, but they're sitting there crocheting. It's like, Oh, well, they're tuning them out. Kind of, are they really, but they're actually not. It's actually a means of engaging. Would you, you agree yep. with that? Oh, absolutely. So I'll give you an example that happened at one of the camps that I spoke at last year. Um, it was a camp in Missouri and it was, um, I was speaking, I use a lot of experiential teaching. So I bring kids up on stage. I have like different experiments or like just different imagery and stuff because they're very visual. Right. And, um, so it was, Holy Spirit night. And I was talking about Holy Spirit and everything. Well, this one youth pastor, he came up to me after and he's like, come here, come here. And he's like sobbing. And he's like, I can't believe what just happened. He goes, I was so upset because they seem like they were disengaged. Like they were kind of drawing in their journals and stuff, but they, I didn't think they were listening to you. Well, after this, like I was sitting there and he goes, I was grieving in my heart. And I said, God, I just want them to know you. I would love to see them, you know, be baptized in the Holy Spirit for their spiritual gifts to be activated. Like he was grieving. But after service, what had happened is those two boys actually pulled him aside and they asked questions. They said, can you talk to us more about Holy Spirit baptism? And so he pulled over another pastor and they talked to those boys and they were baptized in the spirit on the side. And he goes, Pastor Tammy, he said, God kind of stopped me in my tracks. He told me, I'm always on the move. And sometimes you're not going to see what I'm doing within their hearts. Don't judge by what they're doing on a surface level. And he says, I'm just so thankful. So, I mean, that's that's evidence of it is like these, this is a generation, like you were saying, multiple screens, right? My son does it. He has mm-hmm. a little tablet that he watches YouTube as he's playing his Xbox. You know, uh, he doesn't have a phone, but I know if he had a phone, he would probably be playing another game as he's playing, 
you know, his Xbox watching <laughs> YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. they can do it. Yeah. Their brains are just yeah. wired that way. And they're digital. They're not even digital natives anymore. They're fully just a digital generation, alpha mm-hmm. generation. Yep. So question, I mean, it's real interesting. I would draw back to something you had said earlier. You're talking about um, particularly generation coming back to church as the family. What What are some things... Um, because what I hear you saying, really, is it's our role as ministers, regardless of whether we are specific to next-gen ministry or whatever it is, capacity that we serve in ministry, even based on what you'd said earlier. But when it comes to um, equipping, it's, it's probably the word that, that I think of when I hear um, equipping the family specifically. What are, what are some of the the best approaches when it comes to to doing that that you have seen in your your specific setting or even as you get to see regionally as you serve well i think we have to always look at the generation that we're trying to reach of parents um so i i truly believe that relationship is going to be the root of everything to like really ground everything um in the discipleship process uh so what i am seeing is the the meetings like small groups i it depends on where you're from but like small groups community groups cell groups um that are focused on next gen like issues like there's a lot of parents that are wanting to know how do i navigate mental health crisis how do i navigate my kids and social media and the bullying and everything that's going on like to us those are day-to-day issues but those are real tangible issues in these parents lives that if we could have those courses which they've been doing i mean there's a lot of curriculum a lot of podcasts everything so the biggest the biggest thing is the tie to relationship now i'm really blessed to like um do a lot of the foursquare does these prayer and fasting journals at the beginning of the year so i've been able to kind of do those family moments so another piece of that is doing things at home together that focus on jesus um that's that's an important piece is they've got to start doing it in the home and for parents not to shy away, like there's so many different resources. If they watch a YouTube channel that has been vetted by the pastor, like the pastor says, hey, this is a great resource or write down ministry. There's one that's called Minnow. Uh, there's so many different resources for uh, families that they can watch it and they can talk about it and they can walk it out in their own home. So I think it's just that encouragement of senior pastors to really look at that, like, what do the parents need? You know, you have to look at the context of your own church body, too. Um, So to give you an idea, we have some churches in our district that are rural and very uh, poor, impoverished, you know, income stricken uh, communities. And a lot of these churches don't have those resources, but yet these parents are struggling because their kids are like acting out, you know, having behavioral issues. So what's something the church could do is that relationship, taking the the family and discipling the family to walk through those pieces together as a family, I think is huge. You can look at the individual 
but a family is only as healthy as the healthiest person in the family. Oh, that's good. That's okay. Really good. Cause so, and a lot of times the families don't even know that there is an illness or a sickness in the family because they've been living in the toxicity for so long. That happened to me. Mm. I didn't realize that I, it, it was as bad as it was until I was fully out of it. And like me looking into the aquarium and going, Oh my gosh, that was mm. so unhealthy. And that isn't the normal that not every family is like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's really looking at the holistic approach of the family and um, how can you help them? You can't just keep buying them groceries every month. Have a class on budgeting and, and learning how to be good stewards of their money. You know, mental health, like trauma-informed parenting, you know, like for parents to understand if you went through a brutal divorce, it affects your kids just as bad as it does you each individually, you know? And so those would be some things I think that churches need to, and senior leadership really need to look at. I love that because it's, it's understanding your context, but it's also then to um, looking within that, knowing what's the best way to resource, you know, whether it's, I find them and help, or we, we help walk alongside and create those with them. I think that's great. Well, and I think the thing is, too, is that we need to equip the body to see each other and to to minister to each other, too. There's so much weightiness on senior pastors. There's so much weightiness on next gen leaders. It's like we need to work together as a body. We're always asking like Mm -hmm. the hand to always like work and work and work. And it's like, no, we need the full body to come together. I mean, Acts too. I mean, seriously, if we could get the whole body yeah. to wrap around a family and support a family and somebody that's gifted in finances or somebody that's gifted in mental health or somebody that's gifted in this and you activate those gifts and those knowledge points and everybody come together collectively, what a beautiful thing that would be and how transformational would that be for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually an example of, of what a healthy family should be. Is right yeah. that that's the blueprint that that uh, scripture right. well has given us is yeah. this is how it's supposed to function, and we really need to model it as as believers as families that are doing it. We need to model it ourselves and not just use our words. Yeah. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say that's a big thing in in specifically next gen ministry is modeling what you know what God's doing and and how he acts and how he inside of a family unit and and then sharing that those experiences with one another and um inviting others into that same space like you were saying earlier it's relational I would just like to add like uh I just heard a podcast speaker talk about you know being a safe place where everyone's accepted we've really got to live that out especially in this day and age like how are we being a safe place and allowing whoever is to be, you know, there and feel comfortable to be open and transparent? I remember being a youth pastor and sometimes I would have some of them come in. There was this young man that there was one week he came in, he went to the corner of the room and he just laid down and he fell asleep. And so Mm -hmm. one of the youth leaders like, what is he doing? Like, why isn't he over here? I said, leave him alone. 
I was like, mm. number one, he feels safe enough to go lay in the corner and sleep. He knows it's a safe place. Number two, wow. that is a sign this kid is absolutely exhausted. And if he is sleeping in God's house, let it be. When he woke up, he had, he had just told me about how he had had a rough day at home. He had a rough day um, at school. And he's like, I just, this was the only place I knew to come. And he says, I feel so much wow. better. We didn't do anything. Jesus did. But he knew that there was a yeah. safe place to come and just be. And I think sometimes we try to force everybody into a mold, force everybody into certain behaviors or mannerisms. And there are some that are very scriptural, but God's working on them. God's working on them. And and we've got to allow those safe places for people to come in. So you might have people that come in and you're trying to coax them in and like, okay, it's okay. It's a safe place. It's a safe place. And for a while they jet and then you don't see them for a while, but that's where you go out. The one's lost. You leave the others to go after the one. And I think that's something I've seen in culture is like, do we have that desire anymore? I remember going to the altar as a young kid and hearing these older people just crying out, please save my son, please save my daughter. And I'm not seeing that as much anymore. Hmm. Like, are we really Hmm. petitioning for those ones that are out in the field that are we we going after them? Are we going after them? That's good. Tammy, I so appreciate just your heart. um, Just to, like I said... It, it hearing your story, it comes from wanting to, you know, wanting to make sure all see and receive and, and, and that type of thing. And I think that that's really practical when you talk about, especially for next gen leaders, but also for churches, period, uh, regardless of your role or, you know, no role within the church, but to be the family that then equips and really models what family is supposed to be. That's that sounds like yeah. next gen ministry to me. Yeah. For sure. If if I could switch just a little bit specific to the next gen ministry leader, because I know that's also a passion of yours. What what are some trends that you're seeing with next gen ministry leaders? They're burning out quicker than ever. Okay. And uh, okay, so okay, there's a couple of trends that I'm seeing. Um, Typically, a youth or a children's pastor would stay for like 18 months, right? There's new data out saying that on the average, they say six months or less. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So that is a new trend that is happening. A really cool trend that is happening that I think is just evidence of, okay, God is pulling people out of their pews or their chairs and getting them back into next-gen ministry is we're seeing older generations engaging with next-gen ministry. Mm -hmm. They're becoming the Mm next-gen leaders. Um, And so those those are two trends that i'm really seeing um mental health crisis and next-gen leaders is is huge um there's been several that i know of that there's been some very very critical situations and needing health and uh, just wraparound supports for them to deal with life uh there the church has lost a lot of them during covid 
And again, mm. it's no shame on any pastor or anything, but all the focus, we lost a lot of, you know, money's coming in, people like engaging with the church and stuff. And we were so focused on big church that we lost focus of next gen ministry. And a lot of them were navigating, helping keep their main church services online, keeping the main church going and they got burnt out. And then yet they're also being told, like, try to find ways to still stay connected with the kids and youth. So then they're navigating all the new terrain too. Like, how do we do this with this generation? Do I start a YouTube channel? Do I do Zoom? Do I do drive-by blessings? You know, do we do the six-foot distancing at a park? And a lot of them got burnt out during COVID and there was a lot of fallout and a lot of mm-hmm. of them transitioned out. I know even within our team um, of next-gen leaders that serve alongside of me, they've seen that where we'll have somebody for a while and then boom, they're gone. And then we'll have somebody and then boom, they're gone. We can't even keep up with contact information on next-gen leaders hardly anymore um, because they transitioned so quickly. Yeah. Okay, so so on that note, um, because and I, I think I want to preface maybe by saying this because um, you you mentioned it and I that the next gen role in a in a church we'll just talk church specifically um, can be kind of a I have to say transient but let's just be honest it, it kind of can be and you know I I had heard the eighteen months is the average and if you're over that you're above average and good on you and all that that kind of thing but typically the next gen leader within let's just say a church setting or maybe another mm-hmm. type of organization is not usually the person who is in charge right it's they usually mm-hmm. fall hierarchically if you can say that organizationally, maybe that's a better way of saying that, underneath somebody else. So that being said, and you've got two lead pastors talking to you right now, yeah. all right? So what wisdom or insight, especially in light of some of these trends that you're talking about, would you pass along to leaders like Brenton and I, who are leading next-gen leaders? Yeah, disciple them. <laughs> Make them a servant alongside of you. They're not less than. They're the succession of your church. They're the future of your church. They're the transformation of your community. So I think you invest as much as you can into them. And then also don't make them feel, I I think we need to change the verbiage that it's a less than ministry. I'll tell you guys, children's ministry is a beast. It is administrative and it is a church within a church. That's right. Youth ministry, That's right, yeah. I mean, youth ministry is a church within a church. And uh, so I think we've got to shift that mindset. So when you have your mission statement, when you have your vision, it needs to be incorporated into all ministries within your church because you're one body. And like, look mm-hmm. at how do we break these walls down? How do we break these walls down? Because if you have them siloed out, guess what? You're siloing out the kids and youth. You could have a fifth Sunday that your kids are serving on the platform, but seriously, they silo back out the weeks after that, right? So how are you right. going to have relationship as senior pastors with those kids? Now, there's some really good books and resources out that I would like to share on reverse mentoring. 
if you have a younger next gen leader, they're going to be more digitally inclined or know more about the current trends and cultures that are going on where they can actually reverse mentor you. You can get information on how to lead the current generation, but then you can in turn disciple them and build them up in their relationship with Jesus to become a healthy leader, but then also give them those leadership abilities and skills. Um, I was very, very thankful for uh, the former pastor that I had. Uh, his name is Tyson, and he we came to every staff meeting. He wanted to hear all voices, all inputs. He took us all to every regional gathering. He took us to every event, and then he would always resource and say, what trainings do you need? Look, see what you need. I will send you. And so I was very fortunate to have a pastor that I wasn't on the fringes. I was involved. I was the team. And I also was fortunate because he saw the spiritual gifts and abilities in me. And then it transformed, he transformed my role as I was within the church. So just to give an example, like I started out in children's ministry. And then I started a J-12 preteen group. And then we got to a point where the senior or the uh, middle school junior or senior high uh, youth pastor, he was transitioning into a church plant we were doing. And they're like, what are we going to do? We need to have like a youth pastor. And he had this aha moment. He's like, you've been discipling these families and kids all this time. He's like, I'm moving you. So that's something like we've, and sorry, I'm going to roll into another topic here, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Absolutely. Go Next ahead. gen leaders need to learn to not be leader centric. They need to multiply. There's a lot of next-gen leaders that it's a one-man show. They're the only ones that know the ins and outs. They're the only face, the only voice. And then when they're gone, these youth groups and these children's ministries crumble. Wow. <laughs> One thing that I have learned is you multiply yourself. So if you get sick, if you die or God calls you out, it'll still be a thriving body and it won't leave a gaping wound mm -hmm. to the body of Christ. So as right. a next gen leader, even as a senior pastor, you look for those spiritual gifts and you create opportunities not fill mm -hmm. holes you create opportunities for next gen leaders uh and people families like get creative the toys need to be sanitized have a sanitation team like two women rotate and they can do it during the week or in the evenings you know uh curriculum coordinators they come in and they do it during the week or the weekends or whenever they're available i mean there's just so many things that you can come up with You've got to create like this huge orb of people that are working uh, to make it happen. You cannot be leader centric. Mm -hmm. And I even do that within the district mm -hmm. that I'm in now. I'm not normally the one that's speaking. I'm always forcing other leaders out there. I'm not the one always contacting certain leaders. I want the other leaders to do it because guess what? If I get sick, I die or God transitions me out. I want all the leaders equipped and in the know that relationship is still standing. 
And God's mm-hmm. still doing what he's called to be done in that season with the people, the body of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. That reminds me, Tammy, of uh, when, when we very first uh, started, when I joined your team um, back in the spring, uh, one of the very first things that you stuck, that you said to me that stuck out, and which is why I was like, oh, I can get on board with this, is that you basically pointed out that things will change. Things can change within denomination, within church, that type of thing. But what is it that remains, right? And it's going to be the relationships. And just to tie back, you've been saying this whole time of how relationship is so important and so critical that when we're done, that's what's going to that's what's going to be there. And so therefore, that's what we invest in. And the way that you just, like I said, kind of spelling out, you know, the whole... Uh, creating opportunities instead of filling holes. Um, I just love that because it speaks so highly to what you're talking about there. Yeah. Well, and I think the other part of that sentence is like denominations can change. Uh, lots of change can happen, but the things that last are relationships. And when we leave here and go to heaven, guess what's lasting? The relationships. I mean, relationships are like the key, the goal to all of this. And so many, there's a lot of next-gen leaders that feel isolated and alone, and they they don't have connections. There were so many years there that I did not have a mentor, and I didn't have a coach, and I felt so isolated and alone. And I, I, I remember lying on the children's ministry carpet, just sobbing like, God, I need someone. Well, now, years later, now I'm in grad school. And the personal life of a leader was one of the courses I went through. They said, you actively go out and find a mentor. You find a coach. A lot of next-gen leaders Uh are waiting for somebody to invite them. They need to go and invite themselves. Say, I see you. Mm -hmm. I value what you're doing and how you love Jesus. I want to learn from you. Do you have the time to invest in me? And so... That's so important too, because it is relationship. Well, and I'll even speak to the other side of that, where we go out and find someone that we think is um, ready to to learn or whatever, and and be mentored in, and uh, we'll find that you run into a wall over and over. But when that person finds you and says, "We want you," like as a leader, that's I am looking for that person that is ready. Yeah and hungry, and I will give you everything that I have and more. Um, I am willing to sacrifice time and schedule. And it, it switches the thing of striving to find somebody to give it to, to now they found and uh, you, and you can just now give everything you have away. And that there's a sense of, of um, like returning the honor right back. Like I want to give position. I want to give opportunity, uh, because we know our mission, we know what we're called to do. And so that's something that it's, it's, yeah. That's so good, Brenton. It's so good. And I think you'll come to a season in your life. I'm kind of in that season where I'm realizing the years that I've spent on my face and crying and me going through those experiences that were rough now God is shifting it and saying, I need you to be the voice that pours into those leaders and like shores up sooner than later. Like, Hey, you are on the precipice of like falling off into this cliff of the unknown until you like get this shaped up and shore things up 
and get your heart purified before the Lord. And I mean, there's tough conversations that have to be had, but I'd rather have those tough conversations with people that have a teachable spirit and know that it's out of love and wanting to see them be used fully for the kingdom of God. Well, Tammy, we don't want to take up a whole lot of your time anymore. You've given us so much. I do want to ask, though, one more question, though, if you could. What is the encouragement from your perspective right now that you would say to a ministry leader to encourage them? I would encourage them that, number one, nothing has caught God by surprise. The culture, the trends, what kids are going through— He's still the creator of all. He's still the one that knit them in their mother's wombs before they were born. He's still the one that sent Jesus to the cross to save all who will believe in him. So like, even though the world is dark and dreary and it feels like, oh my gosh, we're not catching up. We're never caught up with the next generation. You know, now we're talking about alpha generation and how are we equipped? You are equipped with everything. You're equipped with Holy Spirit. You're equipped with the power of Jesus Christ that rose him from the grave. And it's that constant communion with him day in, day out, your yes that is going to make a difference for the kingdom of Christ. I think so many times we're looking for platforms or we're looking for programs or we're looking for certain things that you've got to do. What does Jesus want you to do in your current church? What is he doing or what do you sense Holy Spirit is wanting you to do for your community, your next gen and your church body? Who are the people sitting on the fringes that need to be called out and their gifts used in unique and diverse ways like you've never thought of before? Um, so I just love that we're called to build the disciples of Jesus. You know, God's the one that's going to build the church. We're called to love one another and make disciples, right? And so we're still doing it. And ministry can be hard. But what are you doing as a leader to stay healthy? What are yeah, you doing as a leader to stay healthy? And I think that's something I do on my team is I always ask everybody, how are you doing? Where are you at? How is life? How's your family? When they call me and it's like after hours and I hear their kids in the background, I was like, nope, you need to with your, be with your family. If they're on sabbatical and they text me and I say, "Hey, little birdie, tell whoa, me you're on whoa. sabbatical." <laughs> whoa, you don't gotta get you don't get personal. Like, and to be fair, it was to check in on my daughter at camp who was there for the first time without me. So, oh, I'm just giving you a hard time. But no, seriously, we need to have those people of where are you at? Where are you at? So I yeah. just want to encourage people to keep keep pressing into Jesus. Um, just keep pressing into Jesus. And I know that sounds so like a blanket statement, but without him, nope. we can't do anything. Yeah. We no, that's, it, yeah, it, it's just funny. Cause you, you go back and you go, it, is it really that simple? Yes. Yes. It kind of is yes. actually. And so yeah. I, I think that's good. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for taking time. I know you've got a lot that you do and you oversee. And, and so thank you for taking time to just really just not just invest in us, but also invest in the future generations uh, because of the leaders that you're investing in as well. Uh, we're just so grateful. So thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Ministry Without Hating It. We hope it's helped you take another step further towards loving what you do more through the wisdom of others. We want to again thank today's guest, Tammy Jones. Just a great, insightful, um, really passionate conversation about next-gen ministry and serving our next-gen ministry leaders. I uh, hope you were able to grab some stuff. Um, as we normally do, if you'd like to connect further with Tammy or you want to find some of the resources that were mentioned within this episode, you can, we've made those available to you in the show notes. And as always, if you'd like to connect further with us, support the podcast, or sign up for show updates, you can go to withouthatingit.com to get started. And don't forget to subscribe to Ministry Without Hating It wherever it is that you get your podcast so you don't miss our future episode releases. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.